This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, friends. Have you spent time in the presence of the Lord this morning? I want to tell you, I had a wonderful experience this morning in the prayer room. It was as if we were in heaven. 1,000 young people coming together to pray and to just seek God. It was wonderful. And I want to thank you for your prayers this morning. I know the Lord has something for us in His Word. And it is my prayer that He will speak this morning, that He will be seen and His glory will be revealed. It was nine years ago that one morning I woke up and overnight God had done something incredible. He had put into my heart a desire to leave my home country of Austria. Previously, I had no intentions to leave, but I woke up that morning and I knew I had to go. Where? I didn't know. A couple days later, it was a Sabbath day, I bumped into a missionary at church. I knew he was a missionary in Papua New Guinea, and I asked him, what could I do? Are there opportunities to serve? And he directed me in the right direction. Long story short, eight months later, I was, found myself in a small boat filled uh, to the max with supplies and boxes on my way to a tiny island called Woja in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, part of the Marshall Islands. I was on my way to this missionary post. I was surrounded by a glorious, beautiful place. It was a glimpse of the Garden of Eden. I remember well when we were driving or in the, riding in the boat, we were on our way there and I was looking in the water and it was crystal clear. I thought I was in heaven. And so I was, I was so drawn into that glorious beauty, I just had to jump in. And as soon as I could, I did. And I just immersed myself in the beauty of God's creation. It was overwhelming. I will never forget that first night on that island at the end of the earth, surrounded by thousands of miles of nothing but ocean, looking up into a sky with zero light pollution. You have not seen that many stars, I can guarantee you. When you see the Milky Way clearly, my eyes filled with tears, and in my heart I confirmed the words of David in Psalm 19 where he says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Through God, through creation, God showed me a glimpse of His glory, a reflection of His character that evening. And He revealed to me through this experience His goodness. And I had a very certain sense of His peace in my heart. And I knew His presence was with me there, even there, so far away from civilization. God is glorious. And friends, it is my prayer that through this GYC and this morning, that you will experience the glory of God. Not just through pristine nature, but through His Word, through a manifestation of Jesus in your life, through prayer, through an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God will reveal Himself to you and me this morning. Let us pray. Bow your heads with me. Father, please use this man of dust Please glorify yourself this morning through your word. May only you be seen. We desire a revelation of who you are. Shine upon us, Father, we pray. 
in your name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60. As you know, our theme is found in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 and 2 this morning. My brother Chris already expounded on some of these thoughts yesterday, and we want to go deeper this morning in Isaiah chapter 60 as we ponder upon what it means to be in the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, hallelujah, and His glory will be seen upon you. Praise God for this wonderful promise. As with large parts of the Old Testament prophetic literature, this prophecy was given by Isaiah to the people of Israel to show them what could become their experience. Sadly, they did not remain in the covenant relationship with God. God had wonderful plans for them, but they rejected this plan. And with this plan, they rejected the direct fulfillment of these prophecies. But however, God's desire to glorify Himself through frail human beings, this plan never got canceled. Praise God, He wants to fulfill this promise again in an adopted way through spiritual Israel today. If you want to go to chapter 59, verse 20, you will find the group of people who this call to arise is addressed to. Chapter 59 of Isaiah, verse 20, it says, And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. To whom is this command given to arise and shine? To those in Jacob who turn from transgression. What does it mean to turn from transgression? It means to choose God to be the supreme ruler in life. It means to choose Him as the sustainer of life and to choose to live in harmony with His will. The promise of a Redeemer here is given to those in Jacob, a faithful remnant. This doesn't have so much to do with denominational membership, but it has to do everything with your heart before God. Where is your heart this morning, GYC? Is your heart right with the Lord? Or do you recognize a need deep inside of you to turn away from sin and transgression and surrender your sins and life to Jesus? Do not wait to turn away. Do not wait to choose God. Today is the day of your salvation. You don't want to miss out on the promise of the glory of God. Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2. Let's read it again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What a sunrise that must be. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. What is the light and the glory of the Lord? And what does it mean that He will shine? What does it mean that God's glory will arise upon us and will be seen upon us? This morning I want to study with you the deeper meaning of the term, the glory of the Lord. Have you ever longed to see God? Have you ever wanted, what does He look like? I want to see Him. I want to see His glory. 
Sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm a bit envious of the prophets and those individuals who had the privilege to see God or at least some kind of, uh, they've been in his presence, they've seen him from behind or some parts of him. I want to see God. And this morning I want to invite you to join me in, in an overwhelming experience that one of these prophets had. Go to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, starting in verse 15. As we join Moses as he enters into the glory of God. Exodus chapter 24, starting in verse 15. Exodus 24, verse 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Here Moses is called up on the mountain. First he has to wait, but then he is asked to join God in the glorious presence of his light. God and the people of Israel here are establishing their first covenant and he calls Moses up to himself. As Moses enters the cloud, he's surrounded by the purifying glory of the Lord. Imagine what an incredible experience that must have been, walking into the glorious presence of God. That must be amazing. You just walk into this fire and you are in the presence of the Almighty. And he spent 40 days with God. What I would give for just one minute of that. I believe the prayer room here at GYC is a glimpse of that. Shortly afterwards, in Exodus 33, turn there with me. Exodus 33, God calls Moses once more into this glorious experience. And Moses makes a daring request. Exodus chapter 33. We're going to be start reading here in verse 13 and 14. Moses is speaking. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, God, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What a beautiful promise. Continue here down to verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. God answers him, verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord Yahweh. Moses is looking for reassurance from God. God's guidance. He wants to know his will. And God promises him, my presence will go with you. But this assurance is not enough for Moses. He longs for more. And he makes this daring request and says, Lord, show me your glory. He wants more of God's presence in his life. He wants to experience the glory again that he had previously. When you look at God who is eternal you will have an eternal craving for more of Him. 
And this is what Moses was experiencing here. You know, when my wife and I were dating, she's Canadian, I'm from Austria. So we were in a long-distance relationship for three years. Amen. We were separated by the Atlantic Ocean, by empty bank accounts, and, uh, <laughs> and six to eight time zones. It was a commitment, friends. But God is good. When you are in a relationship like this, you just long to be in the presence of that individual. You want to be with them. Skype and FaceTime and WhatsApp, that's all great. But you want to be in the visible, physical presence of that person that you love. Amen? Moses wanted more of God. He wanted to be embraced in his glory. He wanted to just, just be in the presence of God. Because he knew him and he saw him and he loved him. Brothers and sisters, have you tasted the glory of God? Do you long, like Moses, for a deeper experience with him? Is it your desire to be fully immersed in his presence today and every day? God grants the request of Moses, even though it was a daring one. And he calls him up on the mountain once more. Jump down to chapter 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Friends, this is a remarkable situation. This time, God is not showing primarily His visible glory, but He's proclaiming to Moses the content of His glorious character. His grace, His patience, His love, His faithfulness, His forgiveness, and His justice. This is according to God Himself, the definition of the glory of God, His character. The glory of God is much more than just the magnificent visible light of His presence. It is primarily the content of His character. God is glorious outwardly, but most importantly, inwardly. Don't miss this point. The glory of God is found in the symmetric completeness of His presence and activity. The glory of God is the, is the perfect visible outward manifestation of His perfect inward character. Life. Light, truth, love, holiness, purity, righteousness. It all springs forth from God in endless glory. He is the fountain of eternity. He is the light of life, the never-ending spring of selflessness and self-sacrificial love. Who God is inside is perfectly manifested outwardly in all His words and actions. God's glory consists both of character and character actualization, character manifestation. His glory consists of who He is and what He does. Who He is is what He does, and what He does is who He is. God's glory is not like the glory of this world, friends. A shiny facade, but empty inside with no lasting effects on your life. No lasting positive effects, that is. No. His visible glory, that is the brightness of His presence and all His works and actions and words, this is the direct revelation of His invisible glory, of His beautiful, loving, and righteous character. 
God's glory has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ, in His incarnation, in His life of absolute surrender, in His death on the cross, His resurrection, and His ministry for you and me in the holy place and the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. What a God we have! He is beautiful! I hope that God is beautiful to you. Have you beheld Him? Have you comprehended His glory? I pray that you have. And if you haven't, let today be the day of your encounter with the glory of God. Pray with Moses this morning, Lord, show me your glory. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Isaiah is describing a people here who have turned away from sin, who have chosen God and who have beheld the glory of God. And this glory has transformed their lives so that they have become a channel of God's character being manifested in this world. Friends, this morning I want to look at three stories, three men in the Bible who represent, I believe, three groups of people and experiences here and with people who are watching at home. I want to quickly go through these stories. Are you ready for this? Amen. First story is found in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. I hope you're awake this morning. Genesis chapter 28. Here we meet a man named Jacob. I know many of you know his story. A man who fled his home in shame, downtrodden by guilt, and on the run from his brother's Esau's deadly wrath. Rejected, haunted by guilt, and overwhelmed by the darkness of this world, the world around him and the thick darkness in his heart. We're told he broke down somewhere in the wilderness and cried for the Lord for help, and then he fell asleep. Here is a man at the darkest moment of his life. This morning, you might be feeling like Jacob. You're trapped in cycles of sin. Unable to escape from your guilt. You're downtrodden by shame and you have distanced yourself from your families and your friends. You feel alone and rejected with little hope that anything could ever change for your life. To you, I say this morning, take heart. Turn to God in simple humility. In the wilderness, in the darkness that surrounds you, turn to Jesus. Surrender to Him, and I promise you, the experience of Jacob will be yours. What was his experience? Jacob went into prayer, turned to his last option, God, and boy, was his prayer heard. Jacob, surrounded by darkness outside and within, was about to have his world lit up with the glory of the Lord. Genesis 28, verse 12. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Jump down to verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely 
the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Wow, what an incredible experience Jacob had. This desperate man's prayer was heard. A revelation of God's love was given to him. An assurance of forgiveness. The promise of continual guidance. And not one word of condemnation. At Bethel, the house of God, Jacob had an unexpected encounter with the glory of God. How awesome is this place? The Lord is here and I didn't know it. Friend, God is nearer than you think. An encounter with Him can happen at any moment. When you don't expect it, it can happen right here at GYC. GYC could become your Bethel experience. What was Jacob's reaction to his encounter with the glory of God? What will happen when you see God's glory? Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in His way, that I go, in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Jacob made a decision right there and then. To make this God of glory his God. And he vowed to remain faithful to him from that day on. This is what a real experience with God will do for you. It will change your life. It will radically transform you. It changed Jacob's life. From being a lying, stealing man of guilt, worry and shame. To become a humble, loyal hero of faith. The second he looked at Christ, his worry was turned into God's glory. Have you beheld God's glory today? A second example is found in Psalm 27. Pastor Chris last night already talked about King David's experience. Psalm 27. The shepherd, king, and artist, and prophet David had a remarkable life, as you know. A man after God's own heart, we are told, he had his downfalls. But he returned to the Lord. David had many experiences with the Lord. But one look into his personal writings will reveal to us that this was not enough for him. Experiences with God, incredible victories, it's one thing, but David wanted more. Psalm 27, starting in verse 1. Psalm 27, verse 1. David says, The Lord... Is my what? Light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. David's life was plastered with miraculous adventures and victories in wars. A thousand fell at his right side, ten thousand at his left. And God kept him safe through it all. Here is a man who has experienced God in a personal, marvelous way. And yet, 
What is his uttermost desire? Go to verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Primarily, David isn't seeking for more victories in battle, more miracles, more intervention in his fight for Israel and the kingdom of God. But what is his uppermost desire? What trumps every good endeavor? To dwell in the house of God, the sanctuary, to gaze on the beauty and the glory of the Lord, not just on the Sabbath day, but all the days of his life. To dwell in the house of God, to have a deeper walk, a deeper revelation, more of you, Jesus. David is craving for the presence of the glory of God forever. You might be a faithful Seventh-day Adventist believer, actively engaged in outreach and missionary work. You might be running evangelistic campaigns. You might be preaching and teaching and volunteering, running your own ministry. And don't get me wrong, all these things are wonderful and very important and part of our prophetic calling. But how easy it is to get so busy doing ministry that the focus shifts primarily to what I am doing and all the tasks that I need to accomplish instead of taking time to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to let that shape your ministry. When was the last time you spent time beholding the glory of Jesus, His Word, His sacrifice, His character, and letting His glory penetrate your entire being and existence and your entire ministry? When was the last time you let Jesus, the Son of Righteousness, rise upon you? Not superficially, but in full exposure, and to let that transform your life. David was a busy leader. He had a lot on his plate. But he realized what he needed first and foremost was the continual presence of the glory of God in his life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He realized that it's only in the presence of the Lord God that any success will happen in ministry. For when you dive into God's glory and you take your delight in his character, you'll realize his will and he will teach you that you can rely on him for true success in your ministry. Is gazing upon God's glory more important to you than striving to make your ministry successful? Our third and last example this morning is Brother Saul, Acts chapter 9. Go to Acts chapter 9 with me. Saul, an educated man. Acts chapter 9. Saul, an educated man, rich in knowledge, fervent in devotion. And zealous in defending what he thinks is the truth. A rising star amongst Jewish scholars and leaders. But on one of his trips to crush the latest liberal apostate group of Jews called followers of the way, he had the encounter of a lifetime. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, 
still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, who might bring, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a what? A light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But arise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Down to verse 8. Saul arose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Here is a man, a defender of ultra-conservative traditional beliefs and customs, ready at any given moment to fight perceived apostasy, ready to openly criticize and persecute. A man so consumed with his seal to uphold the ways which he is convinced of are righteous and crucial for salvation and the success of the church. A man who thought himself to be so close to God and then he encounters the light and glory of this God he thought he served. Unexpectedly, this God shows up in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the glory of God blinds Saul physically so that he can learn to see spiritually. Friends, sometimes it seems to me that we have more Saul's in our midst than Paul's. Maybe you are one of them, and let me be real. I know I have been a Saul many times. Proud of your conservative views, zealous for right doctrine and behavior, ready to cut off the sinner in his sin, ready to flood the Facebook status of that liberal church member or the comment section under the latest church-criticizing online magazine article with, re with rebukes from on high, ready to bring judgment down on that inappropriately dressed teenage girl at church and the cheese eater in your midst, ready to defend your stance on every nuance in theology to the bitter end, so occupied with judgment rebuke and correction that you've missed the obvious Jesus Christ whom you've been persecuting but praise God what happened next to Saul is the miracle that will take place for all who encounter and behold the glory of the living God verse 17 so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him he said brother Saul the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales from his, fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. I love this. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. Hallelujah. Even for a misled zealot, there is hope. Saul's encounter with God's glory led to his repentance, which led to the manifestation of the glory of God in Paul's life. From persecuting to loving, from rebuking to helping, 
from judgment to grace. How? By beholding Jesus, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, through letting Jesus Christ bring his glorious presence into Paul's heart. Then suddenly, the gospel was no longer about righteousness by works, but all about righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, in order to arise and shine, you and I need an ongoing encounter with the glory of the living God. When we experience it, we will be changed. As we continually behold our glorious and lovely Jesus, Jesus, the Word made flesh, Jesus, the living manifestation of God's glory, Jesus, the character of God revealed, we are continually transformed into His likeness. Listen to these powerful words from the Spirit of Prophecy. Testimonies for Ministers, page 458. The world today is in crying need of a revelation of Christ Jesus in the person of His saints. The message of truth that is to call men out of darkness into God's marvelous light is given by the church. The lives of its members sanctified by the spirit of truth are to bear witness to the verity of the messages proclaimed. In other words, God's glory shining on and through you and me is his character proclaimed in words of truth and manifested in works and actions of benevolence and love and grace. Our message of truth, salvation, and hope must be confirmed by an other-centered life full of these qualities. Character content and character manifestation go hand in hand, for what we do reveals to the world if we really believe in the message that we preach. Praise God, Christ in us will make this a real reality. Praise God, He will live out His life within us. We can't do it in ourselves. Christ Object Lessons, page 420. Ellen White writes, The revelation of his own glory in the form of humanity will bring heaven so near to men that the beauty adorning the inner temple, that's our transformed character, Jesus in us, will be seen in every soul in whom the Savior dwells. What will be the result? She says, Men will be captivated by the glory of an abiding Christ. An incurrence of praise and thanksgiving from the many souls thus won to God. Glory will flow back to the great giver. Christ looks upon his people as the supplement of his glory. In other words, when you behold God and let the Lord arise upon you, you will yourself become part of the glory of God and he will shine through you unto others. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it glorious? God wants to do this miracle for you. God wants to shine in and through you. Do you believe this, GYC? Do you believe this? When you behold Him in His glory and receive Him through the Holy Spirit, when you look at Jesus in the light of the world, when you trust Him and study Him, you learn from Him, when you get to know Him and listen to Him, your character will be transformed to reflect his glorious character. And your life work will be luminous with the love of God. Christ will help you. Christ will empower you to love, to help others, to lift them up. Your words and actions will be a glorious manifestation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every eye is closed and every head is bowed.
I believe God has spoken to you this morning through His Word. And there might be some here this morning who feel like Jacob, surrounded by by darkness outside and within. Your sins have ruined your life and your relationships. Guilt and shame have crushed your soul. You are right now in a very dark place. But this morning, you've caught a glimpse of the glory of God. And you want that. You want a new revelation of that gracious glory in the light of God. You want to behold Jesus. You want to receive forgiveness and transformation and a new beginning. If that is you this morning, I want to invite you to come to the front, to slip out to the side and come to the front. You want a fresh revelation of Jesus. You want the darkness in your heart to be filled with the glory of God. Praise God. Just come. Don't be afraid. No one's judging. No one's looking. Like Jacob, you want today this GYC to be your Bethel experience with him. God is calling you this morning to fill you with his light. You want forgiveness. Look at Jesus and you will have it. Just come. You can continue to come as I go to my second appeal this morning. It's for those of you who have been never, maybe never walked away from the Lord. You're, you, you feel like David. You're busy in ministry. You're, you're actively engaged in your mission in the work of the Lord in the church, but you have neglected to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And this morning you want to say, Lord, I need a renewed baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. I need my ministry to be converted, to be so filled with the glory and the character of God that it will be luminous with the love of God. I want to stop looking at my perspective. I want to stop trying to make this ministry work in my way. I want it all to be your way. If you want a converted ministry, you want a converted life, just come to the front and ask the Lord to give you an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Just come. You feel like Jacob. You feel like David. Just come. My third appeal is for you who realize this morning that you need a Saul to Paul conversion you realize that you have focused so much on rebuke and judgment and criticism, on finding and pointing out the sin in others instead of reaching out in grace and love and help. Today, this Jesus whom you've been persecuting has revealed himself to you. This Jesus appeared in his glory through his word and you desire more of him. You want him to convert your heart, to give you a heart of love and grace for others. You want his glory to be seen upon you. You want your life to become a channel of his goodness and love. And if necessary, you want God to blind you so that you can, you can learn to see spiritually and proclaim righteousness by faith throughout your life. God is calling you. If anyone else, you feel like Jacob, darkness is inside and outside. You want God to light up your world right now. Come to the front. You feel like David. You want more of the presence of God and a converted ministry. Just come. You feel like Saul. You have been focusing too much on rebuke and judgment, and you want grace and love to be the fulfillment in your life and to be a channel of God's life. God is waiting, waiting, GYC, for each and every one of us to become channels of his glory. Let's look at Jesus. Let's behold him in his word, his righteousness. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his presence, to completely shut out any darkness, to be so full of his light that only he is seen. The one who spoke, let there be light. And so it was, will speak that light and righteousness into your life this morning if you let him. Just come. Is there anyone else? God is good. He's beautiful. He's glorious. Let us pray.
Father, this morning we have seen a glimpse of the glory of God in your word. Oh, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for righteousness and purity and love and holiness. We thank you that you are so wonderful. All we desire is what Moses said, show us your glory. Shine on us this morning. Lord, I claim the promise that you will give us the Holy Spirit when we ask for it. Right now, Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for forgiveness of sin and cleansing of all unrighteousness. Lord, we pray that you will convert our lives. You will convert our ministries. We want to be channels of your love and grace. Lord, forgive us for judgment. Forgive us for criticism. Bring us together, Lord. Help us to see and help each other. Father, we desire your glory to be seen upon us. Rise upon us. May the righteousness and love of Jesus rise upon us this morning. May we become a channel of your love and truth. This we pray in Jesus' name. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.